0: We are live, Mark. Hey, what's up, man? You called me. Say, hey, look. In the nick <laughs> of time, we
1: got yeah, it here.
0: Huh? Yeah, man, she won. I you made won. it. You won. You beat us. You were, you were trailing behind us, and he came in at this. That was like a race. Oh, <laughs> my we're god, little, I
2: was a little Chris, nervous there. Out of nowhere
0: and takes the lead. Hello, welcome.
2: Thank you. Welcome,
0: everybody. Welcome to another episode of Police Off the Cuff After Hours. My name is Mark DeMayo. I'm your host, my co host, my partner in all things law enforcement, the very handsome Bill Cannon. What's up, Bill?
1: Yo, what's going on? I'm excited. This should be a good show. I, except I always freak out a little bit when someone isn't here exactly or early. But I'm sad. It's all right. They, it all worked they, out. I know one shows up three minutes or five minutes late lots of times. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs>
0: Well, we made it. We made it. Uh, we have uh, listen. We have a return guest tonight. Uh, everybody knows him. He's a fan favorite here. He's uh, he's a psychiatrist, a psychologist, and psychologist. He, works, he works with uh, law enforcement on suicide prevention. Uh, Dr. Right. Stephen Washkill, return guest. How are you?
3: Good. Good. Glad to be here.
0: And. Um, we have a special guest this uh this is near and dear to my heart I don't know if you remember me do you I don't I used to work with uh with your, with your husband Pete in no the Queen's oh
4: wow
0: Mayo sanchez <laughs> oh yes oh
4: wow <laughs> wow see I'm glad I got in touch with you guys
0: yeah i'm happy this is this uh this is really um I, I'm doing the same thing. I'm taking a deep breath, too, right now.
4: That's awesome.
0: Huh. So this means a lot to me that you're uh, you coming on. I didn't know whether I should reach out to you beforehand. I didn't know whether you knew or not, but I, I, this I, is, I, is with your ratings right now. Keep it up. <laughs> uh, Marianne Deluco McGinnis. Yes. How are you?
4: I'm good. How are you? I'm a I'm little f- up right now, actually. That's awesome.
1: Thank you. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Well, look, yeah. At that. look at that beautiful picture right there of uh, you and your kids.
4: Yeah.
1: Yeah, but your kids.
0: If I, let me take a let me take a shot at it, all right? Because you had kids before us. Yes. Um, I'm gonna say your oldest is 30. The second one is 28, 26.
4: Oh God, I'm not that old. No. No. Um. Yep. Is TJ. that
1: close to to how old they are now?
4: Yeah. TJ. No, that's not. TJ's gonna okay. be twenty five. Um. Next month. Johnny is twenty three, and Jolie's gonna be twenty in August.
0: Okay. So we kind of sort of had them at the same time. Yeah. Oh, you know what? You now that you mentioned that, I have. I, we were talking about pictures before this. And you were probably, you were I think you were pregnant with my wife at the same time when we went to that party.
4: Wow.
0: And I have those pictures, the two of you pregnant somewhere. I don't know where they are. And I was joking around before with, with doctor. I said, you know, because uh, after the divorce, <laughs> I don't know where half my stuff is. So,
4: <laughs> I got gotcha. you.
0: I remember those. Yeah, you were both pregnant at the same time.
4: Wow. How old hey, is- Mark,
1: Someone was commenting about your hair. I said, the hell with Mark's hair. I don't want to hear about that bullshit. <laughs> it looks good tonight, right?
4: <laughs> when you were in task force. Then you worked with um, someone I just met a few weeks ago, um, McPherson.
0: Yeah, yeah. Maybe I did. But, um, you know, it's funny. When your husband got promoted to sergeant, I, I worked with Jock afterwards.
4: Oh, did you?
0: Yeah, Jock became my partner.
4: Love Jack.
1: You know, you guys are like having a private conversation where right. the audience doesn't know what the hell you're talking about. Well, let, let it's going to make sense her right her now. Tell her story about what the purpose of her coming on the show was. All right, so there you go. So,
0: listen, it was a nice intro. You don't want to just freaking crash yes. crash land. So, why don't you tell us your story? Tell know. us what happened.
4: So, it's not a good story that you you obviously know. Um, uh. You know, NYPD a few years ago had a, a crazy outburst of suicides. And um, I found, I every time I hear about it, I it, it brings me back to that day. And I reached out to um, a really dear friend, uh, Robert Ganley, Deputy Commissioner of the Police Department, and I said, you know what, maybe if somebody actually heard my side, what suicide does to the family maybe they'll think twice um, so I I actually went out and I started talking to um, different fraternal groups and um, I reached out to you guys because it's still happening and um, it, it's 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 not okay it, it's not okay to do this. Um, it's it's a rash decision at a moment that really affects the entire family um, forever. It, it, it forever affects them. And um, I don't know if you want me to tell you guys from the start.
0: Yes, please. Tell us whatever you want to tell us.
4: Okay. So um, in uh, September 20th, 2001, no, nope, sorry, 2002, <laughs> Um normal day it was my girlfriend's birthday and um we were taking her out for lunch so i had taken the kids the two boys and the baby in the car seat and um we were going to school i was bringing them to school and she was going for the ride yep there they are and um dropped them off we decided we're going to take Val to, to lunch for her birthday i came home and peter was home he was out sick he had hurt his hand um and it was his left hand his trigger hand um so the only thing i found weird about that day is peter got ready quick peter never got ready quick he was right re- upstairs and downstairs in no time and uh he dropped me off for lunch after lunch we of course girls we talked too much and i was late for pick so uh, i'm calling i'm calling i'm saying like hopefully he could get the kids for me but he never answered so uh jumped in one of the many, many vans. we picked up that kids um i actually brought a play date home and uh when i came home from picking them up i put them down and i remember putting on power ranges for them and i put the baby down in the car seat and i ran upstairs to change and when i went upstairs to my surprise there was all these letters on the bed and Peter was such a great guy. He he was a great husband, a great father, a great friend, everything. And silly me, I'm thinking, oh look, look what he did for me again. He he yeah. He um he left me all these gift certificates. I mean, the baby was just a year old. I I'm thinking, oh, for my nails and massage. And instead they were all goodbye letters. Yeah. And uh and at first I was like, what is this? you know, and it was to my parents, it was to my each one of my kids, and it was to my best friend Val and her husband. And uh, I, I, I dropped. I started calling his phone, and of course, he left his phone home. I was on the cell. His phone calling all his friends. I was on my cell phone, and I was on the house phone, and um, I, I just calling nine one one. But they already knew, and. I didn't know what was going on and how to get to him. And it wasn't until I went to the door and um, Monsignor Romano and Monsignor Casado came to my front door. And I just, I knew that it was, I couldn't have stopped it. It was too far gone. Um, But um, at the time I don't understand it. And how do you explain it to a one-year-old, a four and a six-year-old? You know, there's, there's no explaining it because I still don't understand it and I still don't know why. Um, so somehow or another we came up with telling them that uh he died in a car crash. I thought at the time it was a good idea to say that because it's easy enough to understand. But um back then we didn't have like the internet so freely. I guess we did, but my kids were little. So it wasn't until about six or eight years later um, that they started getting on the internet. And I didn't want them to see this through that. So I sat the boys down and my mother was, why do you have to tell them? And I said, because it's time. And the only thing I could say to them was um, how he passed. And I explained that Daddy, there was something wrong with daddy's brain. Um, and it was inside. And we can't see inside the way we see a broken arm or a broken leg. I said, if I I saw it, I would have helped. I said, but we, we couldn't see it. So this is what happened. So we cried. And then we went to his favorite restaurant and celebrated his life. And then about six or so many years later, Um, Jolie started like coming out, asking some questions. And I said, oh boy, it's that time again. And um, she was uh, about 15 years old. And I sat her down and I said, listen, I have to tell you something, Um, you know, I'm sorry, but I I just have to bring it to your attention how daddy passed. And it, it, it actually killed me because the kid cried and she cried that I never saw her cry like this before. And I'm like, honey, I know, I know we all miss him. We love him. I wish you had more memories of him. But she cried because she said to me, mommy, all these years, I thought it was my fault that daddy died. She says, because I knew I was a baby and um, I thought being a baby that I was crying at night all the time and I was keeping him up and he wasn't getting enough sleep. And I thought that's how he got into the car accident. Wow. So all these years, I think I'm protecting her. And in her head, she thought all those years that she was responsible for him. But uh, that that's, that's, you know, that's a tough one. But, you know these these guys i understand they're under pressure i i understand the job i understand money i understand relationships it's just not worth it because to this day i'm still hurting my kids are still hurting there's there's still something missing um nobody could replace a father nobody could replace anyone everybody is irreplaceable and I, I would, I you know, if it was money, I would have sold the house and lived in a box just to be with him and my kids have their dad. You know, I don't know what went on. No, I wasn't on him. I had a one-year-old that I was still nursing. <laughs> there was no one there. It was just him and me. Um, you, know, you know,
0: if I could um, yes, just give a background a little bit, because I worked with Peter um if there was anybody that you would least suspect I'm talking about like when you come into roll call you know what I'm t- uh, like uh you know for the civilians out there that are that are fans of the show that are listening when you come into roll call you, you gravitate to your little group of uh cops that you you, you know you kind of sort of have a lot in common with some people are talking about the, the deck that they put up over here, and uh, some people talk about uh, what, Pete, Pete and Jock, and and a couple other guys. That was the group that I was part of, and we spent, we 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 would break each other's chops, bust each other. Me and Pete would bust each other's balls. I mean, he had jokes for days about me. He he would slice me up and dice me up, and uh, I would never. In a million years, think to myself no. that he was unhappy in any way at all.
4: No. No, me neither. Me neither.
0: I I I he was just the happiest guy I have. Oh. like always with a big as soon as he saw me, this smile would come up. Yep. Cause he knew he was gonna get a chance to break my balls right now.
1: Huh. <laughs> Dr. Washkull, do you have uh, any t- input to uh, what, what we just heard?
0: Well, first let
3: me say Marianne, I'm I'm truly sorry for your loss. And that may seem strange so many years later to hear that comment, but in in grief and bereavement and, and especially suicide, time is compressed. You know, a year is a day, ten years is a week. It, it's like yesterday. Time is very compressed. Um and and you use the key word that I hear all the time is understand. That word constantly pops up. This this attempt or desire or need to understand, to make sense um, and to get caught up in that in that world of trying to figure it out. Um, And and Mark also, Mark said, what we also hear all the time is the least person, last person I'd ever suspect of doing this, you know, um, whether it's the personality was, you know, always laughing, joking or had everything together, the wife, the kids, the car, the pool, you know, so we hear that we hear that as well. Um, but when it comes to making sense, when it comes to trying to understand, the reality is, you can't make sense of what doesn't make sense. That's 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 the issue. You really can't make sense of what doesn't make sense. And it, it, as far as you know, the least person you you expect. That's why, you know, my my philosophy is sometimes um, asking to reach out doesn't work as well. As asking to reach in because you look at the person and you know, they look completely fine, but there may be something, you know, as, as you go through um, the process that there's something you should reach in about. Maybe there is something, but in many cases there's, there's nothing, you know, there's no indication at all. Um, And, and Marianne, you also mentioned, you know, I can understand finances. I can understand relationships that, those things don't cause someone to take their lives. I've said before, if you look at every police officer who's been involved in investigations, financial relationships, if they all took their lives, we wouldn't have a police force. So so those aren't the determining factors. They're not determining. They may be correlated, they may, you know, trigger something, but they don't cause it. And and suicide is a solitary act. You know, it, it doesn't at that point the person is not capable of taking into consideration the aftermath. What's what's going to be, and if they do, it's it's usually a distorted perspective.
4: It's know. a shame, though. I, I I know exactly what you're saying, but you know, i i started I started trying to get the word out and going to see cops, and because I don't want anybody to blame. It's not one thing, and you know, a lot of times they blame the police department. Um, I'm more of a cop's wife now than I was then. It's not the police department's fault. Unfortunately, they have this gun that, you know, but it's not the police department. It, it's, it's, ah. themselves. it's, it, you know, and it just, it, you know, I, it, it breaks my heart about Peter because we had our two boys, two perfect boys. I wanted a boy first. I got him. I wanted him to have best friend i got him and then we wanted that girl and really we we were elated elated to get the girl we we were so happy to have our three healthy beautiful children it went as we we planned except that this wasn't the plan you know we had a plan and he left me holding the bag and you know it's not fair to do that to anybody either because you know you guys are good cops to bad cops well i'm good parent bad parent and i feel like uh, i'm a a split personality half the time you know how it is to punish your kid that's great but you always have your partner to soften it yeah well i didn't have that i i would punish my kid at night and i'd go to sleep and i'd cry you know it it's just not fair it's it's not fair it's not fair to themselves either because that's not fair that they don't think enough of themselves they' they're worth so much and it's sad that they don't um
3: it, it again it's it's not so much that they don't it's that they can't yeah. you know it, it's I'll tell people I'll say do me a favor when I count the three I need you to run up the wall run across the ceiling and come back down one two three do you do it no why not you can't yeah. it's the same thing with the person who's at that point where they just can't consider options. Their perspective of, of life is very skewed. They just can't do it. Um, but I think you're you're 100% right when it comes to blaming the department. And, and that's the knee-jerk reaction is it's the job. In fact, in, in Japan, it's called... Um, my, my Japanese isn't great. In fact, it doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> kar- karo chis- Chisatsu. Um got to ask Jimmy Shanahan how to present it, but it how to pronounce it. But it's actually where they recognize stress of the job um, contributing. But the goal here should always be that's not what's causing it. That, that's not what's causing this.
1: It's you not- know, Doc, we've had you on the show before and we we've spoken uh, about this before. And we've all had uh, friends, co-workers that committed suicide in our career. And what would you recommend? I mean, I know I was a boss and I know some of the signs, but what would you uh, give us as a professional, like indications? And I know, you know, heavy drinking, you know, people doing four to fours, you know, five times a week, you know, that type of thing. But what other things, the subtle things that uh, people may not notice?
3: And, And again, it's good that you distinguish between subtle and obvious. You know, the obvious is the person who is giving away possessions. You know, here, I don't need this anymore. You take it. Well, why don't you need it? I don't need it. You know, all my problems will be solved soon. I have a plan. I'll work. You know, these are all obvious things that you hear people say. But the the less obvious, one of the big ones is called anhedonia. Um, it's a lack of getting pleasure in things that used to give you pleasure. Come on, you want to go play darts? No, I don't feel like it. That, that little bit of nah, I don't feel like it, is, is sometimes an indicator. Again, when we look at, at indicators, we always look at intensity, duration, and frequency. Everybody shows indicators, everybody at some point in their life. The question arises when they hit critical mass. When we look at the intensity of it, the duration and the frequency, how often. But um, yeah, anhedonia is a big one. Um, you know, maybe a worsening of medical conditions. That's something people don't pay attention to. Many medical conditions have a stress basis. All of a sudden, their sugar is going up. They're developing some some eczema, you know. So, so you start to get some indications from medical um, conditions, asthma. Um, like I said, diabetes. Tho- those are some some more subtle ones. Um, you know, th- there's a whole host of them.
0: There's a, a host of. Not, not to interrupt the show, but uh, Jolie McGinnis uh, is on the chat. And she oh. said, you still did an amazing job on your own.
4: I love that kid. <laughs> That's my daughter. <laughs>
1: you know, we, we have a bunch of people in our live chat who I'd just like to uh, call out to a couple of them. Uh, Melody McAtee, uh, Sandra Rivera, MC's Audio, um, Oscar Ferofino, a loyal fan. Jolie McGinnis, of course. Christopher Strom, Sam DeFiglia. Hey, Sammy, how you doing? Uh Peter Pranzo, the great Lieutenant Peter Pranzo, retired. Bill Ryan, TJ, there's another relative. Sandra H. Jake McGuire. Okay. Uh Elizabeth Lewandowski. Uh-huh. And who else we? Anna and Ania Banani strell That one's a hard one to say. And okay. Duty Ron, thank you so much for all your help. Thank you for the $20 super chat. Uh Peter so Joan Guerrero, don't forget, don't the forget locator, and I know who that is. That's Irma Rivera, the locator. Very great great to have you here. Uh, Emilia Schiame Dodato. Um,
4: oh, Emmy.
1: Emmy, okay. Allie Allie. Allie well, and, of course, the great Richella Pranzo. Without well, her, we would have no Peter Pranzo, I'm sure. Allie Allie, we got again. Uh, I think I pretty much covered everyone. Sergeant Peter, Peter Lavin. Lavin.
0: Don't forget about Sergeant Peter Lavin and uh, Christian Chappelle. I carpooled with Mayo to the academy in
1: 1992. <laughs> oh Tracy Jones Tracy. Scotty Wagner just showed up <laughs> so'm uh, I'm, I'm sure that uh, Marianne you got a lot of fans in the uh, live chat and that's a, that's a great thing that people are here uh, to support you yeah and uh I think you know just we we have to do uh, a, a quick uh commercial break. And I think Mark's going to do it first. I, I I hate to do it during this seriousness, but we have to pay for this.
0: Okay, so uh, we're talking about Silk City Hot Sauce right now. The other day, I I, uh, I got all the bottles. They, uh, the guy was nice enough to send them to me, and I I um I dipped into Bill's stash right now. I'm um, <laughs> to be. I'm sorry, Bill. It's all right. The other day had, you know, I'm on a diet right now. I've lost fourteen pounds. And uh, what I do is I throw a little bit of Silk City hot sauce on my bland food, and it, it sparks it up. It's made with uh, small batches, pure ingredients, locally grown peppers, and that is the foundation of every bottle of Silk City hot sauce. And they have so many flavors uh, from mild to wild, and they have really cool art on um, every single bottle. Go to SilkCityHotSauce.com. Trust me when I tell you. You'll love it. It's it's all good ingredients. You won't feel uh you won't have odor the next day. Uh, put in OTC, and you'll get a fifteen percent discount. Enter that into your coupon code there. Uh, SilkCityHotSauce
1: If You got anyone's looking to move down south to re- relocate to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina? Carol Waters of the Beach Realty Group has been buying and selling property in the Myrtle Beach area for eleven years now. Carol and her husband, Rob Mayon, retired FDNY firefighter and also was a rollover from the NYPD. They work as a team. Carol has been a multi-million dollar producer for the past 10 years. They have great knowledge of all aspects of the real estate industry. And Carol's a well-known around the Irish community in New York. She worked in Fitzpatrick's Manhattan Hotel for over 20 years behind the stick. Originally born in the Bronx and brought up in County Mayo, Ireland, Contact Carol Waters for all your real estate needs in the Myrtle Beach area, and you can see that uh, Carol Waters sells mb at gmail.com, 914 nine one four two six one six six eight one, and that concludes our commercial.
0: <laughs> <laughs> commercial break.
1: We're back from commercial, break.
3: Just just to follow up, um, you know, a couple of other indicators. Uh, one is misuse of alcohol, or you know, any substance. Just a change in 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 amount. Um, that's one of them. Um, expression of regrets. When you hear a lot of, I wish I would have done this, I wish I would have done that. And in law enforcement in particular, reckless behavior, you know, handling handling every call at a 1013, you know, not wearing a vest, playing with guns, you know, anything reckless is, is also one of the indicators. And, you know, withdrawal, isolation, just just removing yourself. Um, but again, what- we look- Ahead, you know,
1: Doc, for all listeners and a lot, we have a lot of cops, of course. And Mark and I know as well as almost anyone that's serious about being a cop or has been a cop for 20 years, 25 years, 27 years, 30 years. We all have PTSD. There is no doubt that we all have PTSD. So just accept it and just, you know, and not embrace it. But if it overcomes you, then you have to know how and when to go for help. But, yeah, we all have to face that. And I had asked you on another show, I said, Doc, is it okay to go out drinking? And I expected you to say, oh, no, no. And, and you were like, no, of course it is, as long as you're not doing it every damn night. So uh, I appreciate that, Doc. <laughs> now,
3: you know, PTSD definitely has a correlation with suicide. Again, it's not causal. There there are many people with PTSD um, that don't take their lives. That it's not, it's not causal. Um, you know, we, we see that all the time. And and just like depression, same thing. People are under this impression that, oh, they're depressed. You know, that's why they did it. Depressed people, actually, it's it's not considered a, a major factor in suicide. That's counterintuitive. Um, but if you look at the fact that right now there are at least 20 to 30, depending which study you read, 20 to 30 million people in the United States diagnosed with depression, treated for depression, suicide rate is about 47,000. Um, if depressed people took their lives strictly because of depression, that number would be much higher. It's more a sense of hopelessness that, that you know, things will never get better. And helplessness, there's nothing anyone or myself could ever do to change it, as well as chronic pain, emotional or physical. That's that's pretty much your lethal equation.
0: Well, you, you know, know not, it's, it, it, I'm, go ahead, Mark. Go ahead. We're talking like 25 years ago, right? Marian.
4: Uh, um Peter will be gone 19 years.
0: Okay, uh-huh. now, okay, really? Oh, that's it? okay. So 19 but so I don't I don't if I recall correctly back then the 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 um I was going to say the medication but all these pills that people it, take you know it, what? Didn't it really exist.
4: He got hurt um on the job uh when he was in narcotics. He was um I guess maybe he went in for a warrant and um, he broke his hand and he was home from that. And again, you know, was he on, he wasn't on heavy medication, but he did break his hand. And I know that he was upset because he went to the board to try and get out on three quarters and they didn't deny him. They only deferred him for six months. So, you know, I said to him, well, that's, you know, that's good. You didn't get denied. If you were denied, you'd be done. I said you were deferred. They're they're hoping that you'll feel better, you know. And after that, he he didn't stick around for that next six months, but he wasn't on medication.
2: Loss
3: loss also plays a tremendous role um, in in so
0: What I was my point was that uh, back then, like let's say for example, if if you were feeling a certain way, um, you could go. And they would put you on medication right. now. And I don't recall th- those type of uh, medications being available to people back then. So like, you know, the antidepressants <laughs> well, that people are on. Right now.
4: Peter passed. I was on them. Honestly. Yeah. I had to go on to Zoloft because I, I was in a, in a way. I mean, I had a one-year-old, a four- and a six-year-old. I was on that antidepressant medication. You betcha.
1: Yeah, well, you had every reason to be. And the fact that you got through this is amazing. You know, the, the, the I got method... through it
4: with the help from my family um, and really good friends, really.
1: That's great.
0: You know, the troubling thing with all of this is that, you know, we all have two different sides of us. We have the sides that we show everybody. when mm-hmm. We go out every day. And then we have the thoughts that we have when we're alone. And that's that's the problem is because that's hidden
4: but mark he couldn't tell me I
0: don't, I don't know
4: i live with him you know i would hope that he could tell me we told each other everything else i i wish that he could have said something um i i don't know to this day and i never will uh, never until i'm up there with him and the first thing i'm gonna do is punch him
2: <laughs>
4: yeah but you know and the other thing I, I really want to say is, um, you know, when Peter died, and again, I'm not blaming the police department because how he died, he he's a hero in his own way. And he's a hero to me and always will be. Um, he couldn't handle things. I get it. But it doesn't, the way he passed doesn't lessen. He still passed and um, he's still again. But, you know, the police department was just able to do just so much. Their hands are tied. Um, you know, I wasn't able to get health insurance for the rest of my life. I wasn't able to get, you know, the salary the rest of my life. I was, you know, you're limited. And and I, I get that. Um, but what I can say is employee relations, um, Tracy, you're there. Uh, employee relations turns me to a, organization that is unbelievable and it's called the NYPD Anchor Club if you haven't heard of it Um, and it's a a wonderful organization that they help out the line of duty but they help out the non-line of duty and because of them I'm actually the widow liaison for their their organization now. But it's it's such a wonderful group of men. And we we take kids the, the families, we take them to uh Coney Island, we take them to a Mets game, they do NYPD FD hockey, a Christmas party, the kids go home with toys. But they, they kept my husband's spirit alive when, you know, unfortunately I wasn't invited to all the other things. But they they kept me included. And 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 I swear it, it meant so much to me, and they really, really are a wonderful organization, and I thank them, and that was for you guys. The Anchor Club was awesome to me for it. the police. Absolutely.
1: That's a great thing. You know, we you had mentioned before, and I think I find it interesting, is that you don't blame the police department, but we – uh who have experienced a lot seeing a lot of suicide. I was in homicide, so I went to every damn suicide there was in Manhattan North and there was a lot of them and even on, and on the police department we also went to um, member of the service suicides And the police department didn't do enough back then. Back then I think they're doing enough. much more now. They're doing much more now than they ever did. And I mean Dr. Washkill is one of the pioneers in this. And he could talk about suicide awareness and intervention programs for law enforcement. He's doing all kinds of things for the police department. And that's one of the reasons we have him on the show so often.
4: Um, you know what? And that and that's you know, unfortunately in 2019 it was rampant and very sad. And I, I remember I would I would text um hmm deputy commissioner ganley almost it felt like every day not another not another not another and i i finally had a meeting with him and i said i, I have to do something i said because maybe if people hear how it affected myself and my children um maybe they would think twice i, I don't know just something i i felt i and he welcomed me and i, I was able to do some speaking and yep there they are
2: mm-hmm. and
4: um you know he he let me and and I, I totally, totally support NYPD. No, I I don't blame them, not one bit. Um, did they do a lot for me back then? No, and they know it. Uh, but they are unfortunately. Hey, listen, we live and learn. And you know, unfortunately, it took years to stop. You know, not talking about it. I. You know what? It's my myself also. Um, back then, like when I would go to the Anchor Club. Uh, and meet other widows they would ask how my husband passed and all I would say was he was sick I never, I never said it and I'm right. sure there's widows that are probably surprised to hear now because I just never spoke out and said it um, You know, I'm sorry in a way, but you know, there's nothing I could do about it I'm sorry that back then I didn't speak about it um, and try to get myself out there Again, I had three little ones. I had to take care of them and which, you know, proudly I did, but now it's time. It's time that people hear the other side. And, you know, before you think about something like that, you know, think about if you got nothing else, think about your pet. Somebody relies on you. You're not out there by yourself. Somebody is going to be heartbroken, you know, and if you need to talk, I'll listen, you know, um, honestly, no, no life should ever be taken that way. It's, it's sad. It's heartbreaking.
1: You know, Marianne, it's a great thing that you're given back and no one else could uh, give back except someone who's actually experienced what you've gone through. You know.
4: Well, unfortunately I didn't go to school for this. I only lived it. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's sometimes it's good to hear what somebody else went through. So it makes you stop and think, um, you know, and, you guys have, well, the police department has the phrase, if you see something, say something. It, it, it applies to people also. If you see somebody's not themselves, say something. Or just ask them how you're feeling today. Um, you know why? Because, and I'm going to tell you, the day, um, I think the day before my husband passed, uh, he took his dress uniform to the precinct. He was out sick. Somebody saw him. And instead of saying, and again, you this i'm not blaming anybody but that was weird the guy's out sick and he brought his dress uniform to the precinct i wish somebody would have said oh pete that's weird why are you bringing it you okay and listen i'm again this is it happened but for people's awareness if you see somebody's off ask
1: you know marianne some of the barriers to that were that um when someone and we've discussed this before, when someone would, would report that a cop had a problem, especially a, possibly a mental problem, the first thing they're going to do is take his guns away. Yeah, you know, and put him on limited duty, and that was is one of the big barriers to reporting something like that. And Doc, you want to maybe touch upon that
3: in terms of of weapons, or
1: well, in terms of how maybe the police departments changed in in well, being so.
3: It's changed tremendously um, my experience with the employee assistance unit, um, putting um, peer support trained by, by the employee assistance unit, putting them in precincts. Um, and, and cops, I was just speaking to someone the other day, and I don't have the exact statistics, but my, my understanding is that they've had literally thousands of phone calls, um, thousands of, of approaches, of contacts. Um, the peer based, uh, the, uh, precinct based peer supporters, because, you know, I'm preaching to the choir, but cops are interesting. They, you would wonder why would a cop approach somebody in the precinct? Because in the precinct, they know what the deal is. There's, there's nothing hidden. There's no, oh, I wonder this. I wonder that it's, it's what you see is what you get with within the precinct. So they're, they're doing an amazing job. Um, I think that's really a big key, um, that that's what I'm finding, and, so and that's,
1: a, that's a relatively new program, right?
3: Yes, yeah. yes. And again, the attempt to destigmatize the the word suicide. You know, it's being used, which is is what we need. We need to hear the word. You mm-hmm. know, and and I mean, Marianne, even even you know, you talk about your husband bringing his his dress uniform. You know, typically there's there's three responses. The first, the first is people are too preoccupied, um, yes. too self absorbed. Yes. And they don't notice it. They just don't notice it. Yes. Um, then you get people, which is a lot more common in the police department, is is rejection. Is, you know, I know him. Um, he would never do that. So I, I'm I'm wrong in even thinking he would think that or she would think that. You just reject that possibility. The third, which thankfully we see a lot less of, is I'm picking up something. But you know what? If I'm picking it up, someone else will too. I'm not getting involved. Luckily, that one is is much less. But the the most common is is this rejection. There's, there's no way he or she would ever think that. You know, they're always laughing. They're always happy. I'm, I'm going to let it go. But, you know, I always say cops have what we civilians don't have, which is this incredible sixth sense. They have a spider sense that they don't need the words. They don't need the actions. They, they could just sense it. They could sense it. And, you know, that's what I try to focus on. In, in my trainings is, is keying into that reaching in based on your sixth sense based on that spider sense
4: mm.
0: hey um tell us about your kids now
4: um, you they're great they they are they they are great so tj's awesome um tj looks exactly like his father built like him um everything <laughs> he actually has his dad's tattoo, uh, his dad's shield tattooed to his calf. Now remember, Peter had those big, awesome tree trunk calves.
0: Yeah, yeah, Pete was—he yeah. uh, looked like a power lifter.
4: Yeah, he did. So TJ's got, TJ's getting them also, and um, he's got his dad's tattoo there. Um, He—he's doing great. He—he—he—he he, he really is. He looks like um, his dad a lot. Johnny, I think, is a mix between Peter and I. Um, but he's awesome. He's in the carpenters union. He's doing great. He's got a picture of uh, a tattoo of his. Peter's favorite uh, cartoon character was the Tasmanian devil, so great. he's got a, a tattoo of the Tasmanian devil with the police hat on, which is pretty awesome. And uh, Jolie's just Jolie. She's a great kid. She's um, she's in college, her second year um awesome she looks like her father too i don't understand i gained all the weight i went through all the trouble and they don't really look like me <laughs> Not at all. but that's okay That's
2: really cool. yeah.
1: okay. and how have uh, how have they dealt with it over the years
4: you know um i have to tell you they were little and you know it was a very dark time Um, when he passed and, you know, I, I, I gotta be honest with you. I, I don't think that I grieved properly enough because I was too busy trying to make them happy and feel safe and okay. Um, like I ignored myself. So growing up, you know, they, they were, they were great. I mean, at times, yeah, it hit TJ. I think it hit him a lot. Um, and it's still you know listen i had to talk guy things to boys it was awkward for them it was awkward for me <laughs> um you know joliet her sweet 16 i wore, wa- you know i walked her in um actually peter's brother walked her in but i danced with her um you know listen my kids are happy definitely it it, it hurts them tremendously that they never had a father. That they never, you know, um, you know. When I think about Jolie, that I'm going to walk her down the aisle, it irks me to no end. It, it it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart for me. It breaks my heart for her. Um, pisses me off something fierce. But I'm not going to take away. You know, she's happy. I, I'm somehow or another. I, I, they manage to be happy and good kids. They really, they are.
1: That's great. Ayo, no. You were a teacher, weren't you?
4: No, I'm a parent coordinator.
1: Okay. You know, we talked about uh, 2019 um, was the most horrendous year uh, for the police department. Yes, in regards to, there was 10 cop suicides. And uh, I think that's what sparked the police department. Yes. That's what gave them a kick in the ass to really start doing something about it. But just this very recently,
2: he just had this
1: deputy inspector from Queens take his life. Yes. And I mean, I don't look, I'm no expert, but looking at his face, just in this picture, to me, I see a lot of pain just in his face, you know, and I, and of course I know what happened. So it's easy for me to say that, but he looks like he, he has something going on and, you know, God bless his family. And, uh, May you rest in peace. But it's one suicide's one too many.
4: I um I actually started going to the funerals, the wakes, and um and introducing myself to the the family and well, uh, give them giving them my card um, and saying, you know, you you probably don't even hear what I'm saying right now, but in a few weeks, if ever you want to speak, um, I'm here. I, I'll listen. Um, I've been through it. And, um, that last funeral that I went to, um, a gentleman came down the steps and he said, you, he said, because of you is why I'm here tonight. And I looked at him. I was like, Oh, I didn't know what I did wrong. He goes, you came to my son's funeral last year. And I'll never forget that. I don't remember what you said. He said, but I remember that you've been through this and you came, he said, and I, I, it, it meant so much to me. And, um, I just, you know, with with it going on, and still, unfortunately, I hope it doesn't go on anymore, but with it going on, it's a a very lonely feeling. Um, And back then, you said it, back then, you know, there was no help. And that's why I just want these people, if they want to talk, I'll listen because I've lived it.
1: Yeah. Well, it was always considered, you know, The police department's a macho job and, you know, guys can handle their own stuff. And so it was, and to come forward and say you had a problem was a a tough thing to admit. But I think those barriers are starting to come down and with people like Dr. Washkell and some of the line organizations. It's really helped reduce the fear of coming forward and saying that you may have a problem.
4: It's hard to ask for help, but it's harder to go to a family's door and say what happened.
1: Yeah. But, the, you know, the constant is that, uh, and Doc touched on it before, is that we live with a firearm 24-7, 365, you know. So the means of taking your life is with you at all times. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I would say, I don't know the, st- the statistics on it, but I would say most cops that take their own life do use a firearm. You know, sure. and uh, so that, that does have a correlation to the high rate of uh, police suicide.
3: It is immediate access to lethal means. Yeah. You know, that's a definite factor that, that plays into it. But, you know, I think that that Marianne, just to say, is, is so inspirational because, look, if what you've gone through, if you can get out of bed every day, brush your teeth and get back into bed, you'd be doing OK, you know um but to be able to do you what know, a lot of people can't because what you're doing is you're not reducing your husband's presence to his absence no. you're not focusing on well he's just not here you are really you know living a legacy of his and that's you know really wonderful
0: it really is
4: i wish i could have done it years back but like i said i was busy taking care of his three children
0: whatever it doesn't matter i mean you you know what whatever the growth is you're yep. here now
4: absolutely
0: and, you know and the fact that you're you know you're reaching out and you are helping other people and letting them understand you could you could um, you could save them a lot of time you know what I'm saying imagine if somebody would have come talk to you I wish
4: I welcome it I, I I would listen I don't care if I know you or not I would listen because your life is so worth it. It really is. Nobody should have to go through this. Nobody should ever have to listen. Family, children, no one. Um, You know, like I said, there were nights I cried myself to sleep because I punished my kid. I had nobody to bounce off of. You know, my mom, my my family, they're wonderful. My friends are great, but you know, you got married and you were supposed to be in it together. You know, my friends go home. My mom goes home. She, sl- she stayed over for a while in the beginning. But, uh, you know, it's still, it still goes on. My kids are still with me.
1: You know, there's a couple of other uh, line organizations. Duty Ron, yep. who you know, he, he just reminded me of uh, Behind the Badge, another uh, outstanding organization that cops can go to. And these organizations are available Uh and You know you, you also have uh, Dr. Washkell, who here is uh, one of the best suicide prevention experts that we know of, and he's a real friend of the NYPD. So if anyone out there does need help with anyone on this job or their family, just think about uh, Dr. Stephen Washkell. He's in Staten Island. Doc, you want to say your, your telephone number over the air? Sure.
3: Um, my cell is, is 24-7, and people say, wow, you're really going to give yourself? I do. When it when it comes to a police officer in need, call me. It, it's 718-938-4967. Um, and, our tra- and our trainings, um, they do not cost a dime. And we refuse to take any donations um, or contributions. It's it's strictly um, you know, we do it because it's a way to give back to police officers. And it's it's a five hour training. And, Again, it focuses on the notion of sometimes um, asking to reach out doesn't work as well as reaching in, and we train partners to reach in to their partner, what to look for, how to reach in, Um, and we go over some of the risk, you know, all the risk factors, why somebody might be at risk. So you're looking at the whole person. You're not just saying, well, you know, they seem a little down today. No, let's let's look at the whole person. That that's what we focus on. And those are available, the training is available free of, free of charge, um, anywhere, anytime, any borough, Nassau, Suffolk, anywhere.
1: You're a real saintly guy, Doc, and you're Jewish, so I won't try to baptize you. <laughs> but my but, wife uh,
3: isn't, my wife is Irish Catholic, so
1: <laughs> I, have, I have an opposite I'm Irish Catholic and my wife is Jewish, so uh, there must be something to the attraction there, retired Sergeant Melinda. Thank you so much for that. Ninety nine, ninety nine, super chat, uh, MC's audio. Thank you so much for one ninety nine. I know that's all you can afford. Thank you so much. It's all appreciated, and all the people in our live chat. I think tonight is a is a really excellent show. I'm getting a little choked up here and there myself, and um, this is a topic that really needs to be covered.
0: Well, especially now with what we de- where everybody's dealing with. Uh... You Know just the way law enforcement is uh is portrayed, and these poor guys that are out there doing their job right now, and you know what they have to deal with. Um, you know, it's it's uh it's 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 out there, it's 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 out there. And if if you uh you got to reach out to somebody, you got to reach with what Dr. Wasco said, what do you you reach in, right?
3: Reach in. You know again, with I'm not saying reaching out, asking to reach out is useless. you know it saves lives, but we're just finding that reaching in, taking the initiative is is more effective. It's more effective.
1: You know it's funny, Doc, some there's people on this job that are, are selfless and and you know I spent some time and Mark spent some time with Eddie Mullins. Mm-hmm. And that guy is a tireless worker. I mean, if someone comes to him and he's been working a 14 hour day, he'll spend 3 hours with them to you know to try to turn their life around and there's people like that on this job
3: you, you know who um is a huge supporter is Paul De Giacomo
2: mm-hmm.
1: yes
3: huge huge supporter you know I could have him on speed dial and anything i need it's done you know when it's just a, a wonderful you know wonderful person
1: yeah there's some really good people that are there to help and they're not necessarily going to go Official, you know, there's, there's people you can reach out to that they're not going to go official on the job. There's line organizations that you can go to, and you won't have to, uh, you know, be de as we used to call it, you know, rubber gunned, right? I used to say it rubber gunned. The
4: rubber gun-, <laughs> gun squad. That's right. Yeah,
0: That's right. yeah. It's so tough because, you know, it's, you know, when you were telling your story in the beginning of the show, you were mentioning about how you had come home and you had no idea. You had no idea. It wasn't until you went upstairs and you saw all the stuff that was laying out. So yeah. that's the scary part about it. It's because sometimes you might not, you know, because you something that you could handle, you're not really thinking about, like, your other person, how could you not handle it? It's, we're going to make it. We're going to be fine. But you don't know what's going on in their head.
4: No, i guess i didn't
0: well it's it, it's that's the problem that's the problem is is it's you just don't know you don't know what the other person is really thinking when they're by themselves and no, the reason no. well, because uh you know it's like you shouldn't blame or yeah i know you had a lot of thoughts you know if i would have done this but i don't think you could have
4: known I, I know that. I I I know. I'll uh, I'll find out one day. Um you know there there's always a lot of guilt and always will be, but um hey listen, when he was around we were happy and I just have to remember that. Um I'm gonna just But
1: Marianne, I still think when you see him in the afterlife you should punch him in the face. A hundred percent.
4: First thing. <laughs>
3: I'm and and I'm you know, Mary, guilt is one of my favorite topics.
4: I'm Italian. That's I'm why me. I'm doing it. We feel these people. Listen to my story. Don't do this to anybody. Don't live what I'm living.
3: But when it comes to personal intent, people forget intent has two components, and and our uh, guilt has two components, and our tendency is to forget the second component. It's just to focus on the first which is that feeling. I'm guilty. I feel guilty. Um, But guilt has a second component. And that second component is intent. You can't have guilt without intent to cause pain and suffering. If your intention is not to cause pain and suffering, then morally, religiously, every which way, you are not guilty. Guilt is not the issue. But people latch on to guilt because it tends to keep some of the sadness away. But, But you're not guilty. Guilt, your intention was not ever and never will be to cause pain and suffering. So, guilt is not the issue. Don't feel guilty.
1: Thank you. Yeah, the, he just absolved you. It was almost like a priest. <laughs> I, thought he, I thought he was going to yeah. do that. And I he had that, that, that thing with they throw the whole thing. I feel better too. I feel <laughs> uh, it's Thank
4: you. good tonight, finally.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Dr. Stephen Washkill absolved you of all <laughs> of these <things. laughs> That's amazing. Uh, a Jewish doctor, just <laughs> a, uh, Italian Catholic woman of all. This time. <laughs> <laughs> it's important to laugh too, you know, yeah,
4: you have to be positive. Um, you know, I, I, I know I come out and I, I give a story and it's a tear jerker of a story. Um, my life has been changed ever since, but I am a positive person. And um, I, I, try to find the good in everything and the brightest side of everything. Cause I don't want to live in that dark hole anymore. Um, that I was many years ago. Um, and like I said, I, I he's my hero in a different way. And, uh, he was a great guy. However way he died. I think he was a great person.
0: I, I, I will second that. Thank you. Maria,
1: do you find this, uh, speaking at these line organizations, do you find it therapeutic for you?
4: I do. I absolutely do. Um, uh, Yeah, I do because for so many years, like I told you, all I would say is, oh, he was sick. And um, I never said how he actually passed. And, um, you know, I, I... I get broken up. Absolutely. But um, I just feel like, you know what, maybe some good could come of me speaking. Maybe somebody will hear it and rethink and say, Oh, wow. You know, think about my daughter, you know, <laughs> think about my kids, you know, think about something other than that moment. Where your your life is worth so much more. That's right. That was such a great picture. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
4: My kids are probably going, Oh my God, Ma, really?
0: <laughs> we got to
2: really. You that. know,
1: she asked me, Where the hell did you get those pictures from?
4: I, did. I
1: said, Facebook. What do you think I got <laughs> <laughs> You think you sent me copies? No. Said, when
4: did I do that? I'm going, Oh my God.
1: That's right.
2: <laughs>
4: you know, it's a tremendous. few weeks ago, I was talking to um, a very dear friend um a new friend and i i met him when i when i spoke at um the cops um organization uh, i was asked to go there and speak and uh, i went and i spoke and he i've heard of him before and um but i never met him and he introduced himself to me and uh we've been very good friends and his wife knows all about me and uh she goes oh your girlfriend marion and i can't wait to meet her but desi stokes I said that I was going to say his name tonight, and he's the one that actually told me that I should reach out to you guys. He says, "You know what, Mia? I listened to this great podcast. You, you maybe you should." Um, so I had listened to it, and then I said, "You know," and he goes, "You should definitely call." And Bill, you you got right back to me. It was awesome.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny. Even as lovable as Mark and I broke law, we do get some hate mail. Oh. <laughs> it's mostly directed to bill <laughs> it comes with the territory yeah <laughs> we we get some people saying oh you guys suck you know you're this you're that uh you know but uh, you know, i just i also while we're, it's a little um we have a little levity here i i wanted to push this this is for mark and uh this sunday night mark is he, I, if you guys don't know mark is a great comic he's been doing stand up comedy for um like 25 years, and um, he's recording an album at East Village Comedy Club on Sunday night, and there's two shows, one at 7 and one at 9.30. There's tickets available. Let Mark tell you where you can get the tickets, but I will vouch for him. We I've actually done comedy shows with him. I'm a, a stand-up comic, too, not of Mark's level, but... Uh, he's been doing it way longer than me. You give me 25 years, I'll kick his ass. But I don't know if I have 25 <laughs> years to comedy, you know. But let Mark tell you where you can find the uh, tickets.
0: Yeah, uh just go to New York Comedy Club.com, N-E-W Y-O-R-K, New York and uh it's gonna be on Sirius XM Eight pound gorilla is the is the production company. And you'll be able to hear it while you're driving, uh, if you have Spotify, if you have iTunes, all that kind of stuff. But I'd love to have you at the live recording. And it's this Sunday, uh, two shows, 7 p.m., 9 p.m., 9.30 p.m. And if you go online to NewYorkComedyClub.com and you put in the uh, coupon code MARK, the tickets are $10. So you can't be It's
1: got to be worth it, Mark, because I bought two tickets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to pri- hey. <laughs> You know, another thing is uh, a guest on our show, um, the a retired Captain Joe Lisi, who is a great actor. He's probably the most successful former NYPD cop as an actor. He's been in over 100 television shows and movies. If you saw a picture of him, you said, oh, I know that guy. Anyway, he owns a uh, a restaurant in Midtown called Bardo, And he said, how would you guys like to do a police off the cuff night at my restaurant? I said, we'd love to. So it's going to be like a meet and greet on uh, Tuesday, May 18th, starting at 7 o'clock. And if you want to come there bring your babies, Mark and I will shake hands, kiss babies. We'll we'll take pictures with you. We'll do all of that shit. But uh, it'll, it should be fun. I even asked my son if he would come and take some professional photos of us. But uh, it's sort of fun. And we got a lot of unbelievable guests coming on in the future. If I could tell you who just called me yesterday – you wouldn't believe it. I was like, I'm a huge fan of this guy. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but we're getting calls if people want to come on the show, which makes us feel good. We've been doing did this they show. They ever make a movie about the guy you're talking about? Yes, they did make a movie about the guy that I'm, that called us up. Was it a
0: very popular movie?
1: It was extremely <laughs> popular. <laughs> what are you trying to get me to say who it is? No, I'm just,
0: I'm trying to give it clues.
1: Yeah, give clues <laughs> to the audience. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah personal messages will tell you who it is, but I don't want to really confirms. Uh, I don't, I don't want to out the guy, but uh, we're getting a lot of calls from great guests, people that are on the job. Uh, sometimes they like to hear us talk about the problems and maybe even beat up the job a little bit every once in a while, even though I loved being a cop. So did Mark. And, um, but you know, it's like a dysfunctional family. Every once in a while you have to slap somebody around in your family, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know, when
0: we retired uh, Sergeant Belinda said, Proud of you, Mark. Also, you did well holding it that da- holding down the fort while Bill was gone. <laughs> so at least one person
1: I was on vacation for one week. I thought the world was gonna fall apart, but Holy I was in I told, I told you a in thousand America. times. <laughs> it was unbelievable. You know what do you
0: do? How do you do this? How do you do that? <laughs>
1: It's not so easy. It's like it's like my wife does pays all the bills. Yeah. My God, if anything happened to her, yeah. I would have no idea how to pay the bills. You know, none. <laughs> she, she does it all electronically. You know, I don't know. I just would have no idea. Anyone have any closing? We're at we're at uh, an hour and five minutes. Anyone have any closing thoughts? Uh, doc, I'll, let me give you the floor first, since you're the expert, and we'll close with uh, Marianne. And if Mark has anything to say. Dr. Washkell he is a, a, a suicide prevention expert, and uh, let me let Dr. Me I've said enough, Ken. You you have the floor.
2: Yeah, just
3: just thank me for having, just thank you for having me on, and you know the opportunity just to keep talking about suicide and prevention and awareness. And again, Marianne is, is inspirational. She has what we call testimony. You know, Marianne being able to speak from the heart about what she's experienced is very different than someone going to Dr. Google, finding an article and, you know, just reading it or cutting and pasting it and getting it out there. So it's it's, it's really powerful. Um, and again, always, always use your, your spider sense. Always, if you have any concern about somebody, just ask. Worst that could happen is they say, what are you crazy? Mm-hmm. But, but just by asking, mm-hmm. Just by asking saves a life sometimes, just asking. Um, and, again, our our trainings are um, anywhere. We'll go anywhere. Myself and my uh, co-trainer, Laura Giacomone, Um, our training is under the auspices of Northwell Health and their Institutional Review Board um, to make sure it stays kosher and follows guidelines. Hey
1: doc, did you have to bring the Jewish stuff into it? it?
3: I had no choice. <laughs>
1: um, so far, he's posed as a priest in blessing Mary. Yeah. Now he's the goal.
3: The goal is to have our training become evidence based, have research backing behind it. So again, the, the trainings are free. We'll go anywhere um, within you know reasonable amount. Nassau, Suffolk, any five boroughs, um, and there's absolutely no charge for it at all. And you could register at www.conquersuicide.org. That's the website.
1: Marianne, you have any final thoughts?
4: Um, you know what? Uh, if anybody's out there, and God forbid you're in that deep, dark spot, just uh, think about myself and my family and what we've been through, because nobody should go through that. Um, I know my family, it's the immediate family, but it extended to my friends. My mother and father should never watch their daughter go through something like that um remember there's somebody any somebody's gonna miss you you're so well worth being in this world we need good people we need that if anybody ever needs to talk and you're in that dark spot i will listen to you i just don't ever want you to take your life and ruin your family my family was ruined for a little bit of time, but I pulled it together, and um, you know, with the help of a lot, there we're all good. We're in a good spot now, and um, I just want everybody to know you're so worth the life that you're living.
0: Thank you, Marianne. I'm sorry I didn't reach out to you earlier.
4: You shocked I just, me.
0: I just didn't feel. Uh, you know what? And that's this is a message to everybody out there. If you if you have anybody that you, you were close to or that you knew or you're friendly with, extended uh, friend, uh, it's okay to reach out. Mm-hmm. You don't know. Like, uh, I don't know how many people reached out to you before. I'm happy that you came out tonight, um, but I'm here for you now.
4: Thank you. And
0: Thank uh, you. you always have a platform here with us.
4: You know, um, and, um, if I'm you want so to be part of this traveling
0: circus, you, could, you 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 got you got the golden ticket.
4: Thank you, thank you. I'm so glad that. You 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 reminded me that you worked with Peter because you know people don't know how if they should say, Oh, I knew your husband or not. They don't want to upset you. But I treasure hearing when somebody worked with my husband because I love the stories. Uh-huh. I just the stories, um, because that's all I have are memories and stories. And um that that's just awesome. Yeah. My my daughter actually worked at the 6 um, 6'2 precinct um two summers ago. And there was a few guys that was still there that knew my husband. And she came home and she was like a little weird. And I said, no, I said, embrace it. Let them tell you stories. It's going to be awesome. And when she went back to work the next day, she felt so much better. And, you know, we, we do. We, we love to hear stories about him. And um, it's always good. Thank you. That's fantastic.
1: You're always welcome
0: here. Thank you. Working on, or if you want to get a word out, this is you know your your family here now.
4: I'll be back.
1: All right. (laughs) You know, if there's any uh, other uh, Marianne McGinnises out there that uh, has a story to tell, or any other any great police stories or related to police stories, you know, you can reach out to us on the Police Off the Cuff site. uh, And unfortunately, I do all the booking. <laughs> and, and you know, it's funny, Duty Ron mentioned in the chat, he goes, Bill, he says, uh, guest, call you. He goes, I got to reach out to everybody, you know, people yeah. are calling you. And but meanwhile, Duty Ron has 32,000 subscribers, we have 3,200, so <laughs> 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 he's doing very well. So, yeah, he hooked
0: us up, man. He's he's a great guy. Uh, we're all mm-hmm. doing our own thing here, but um. One thing we all have in common is that we're trying to do the betterment for uh, the job, mm-hmm. for the people that serve.
4: 100%. So
0: I want to thank you on behalf of Police Off the Cuff After Hours, Dr. Stephen Washko. Thank you. Marianne, to
1: Luca McGinnis. Yes. Your kids. <laughs> I always hated those hyphenated names. I was like, get rid of the hyphen. <laughs> you
4: no, know, you got the name off of Facebook. So back when I joined years ago, I had to reach out with my high school friends. They didn't know me as McGinnis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: There's a lot of people like that. Yep, a lot of
4: that. And I have to keep the Italian going because that McGinnis.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, forget it. People are not going to know that you can cook, right?
4: That's Right, and I cook. My husband used to say, we should leave the S off, and we'll be McGinney.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know, this is
1: the first on the show, though. Dr. Waskell turned into a priest and a (laughs) rabbi, all in one show. Unbelievable, right? (laughs) On behalf of Mark DeMayo and Bill Cannon, Dr. Stephen Waskell, Marianne Deluco mcginnis we say good night from police off the cuff. Thanks everyone for listening and thank all you folks who uh gave us those super chats, it was well appreciated. Good night, everyone. Coming on, guys.
4: Night. Mark, I'll talk to you.
1: Yeah, I look forward to
2: it.
4: Okay, Bye. bye.
2: bye.